Hello everybody, we're joined today by Professor Scott, the co-creator behind the new fantasy webcomic Fair Home. We had a lot of fun unpacking Scott's story, whose comic Fair Home has been over 15 years in the making. We chatted about him working with multiple illustrators before finding the incredible Damian, who illustrates Fair Home in its current style, learn about how his investment into Lost and subsequent disappointment upon its finishing of the story, cemented his philosophy on writing a story fans will feel good about beginning, middle, and end, and talk about why it is important for him for his comic to be a safe space for its fans. Here's Scott. Hey Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. For those of us who, who may not have had the chance to meet you yet, do you mind giving us a little bit of an intro? Sure. So my name is Scott Richmond. I am the co-creator and writer of the fantasy webtoon and webcomic known as Fair Home, which is a high fantasy comic about fantasy outcasts directed at people who love fantasy, who feel like outcasts themselves. Now, it's you and Damian. You have someone else that works with you on the comic. Do you mind telling everyone a little bit about how you two split the work and what your roles are? Yeah, sure. So I am the writer and uh, Damian is my artist. I also have a letterer named Paul and we are currently starting to work with a colorist as well. But Damian is, um, is my artist. We met as a lot of folks in small press and webtoons do. And I send out a call in the Facebook group that was designed to put together collaborators for comics. And I have had the beginnings of this story from way back, almost actually over 15 years ago when I did first started doing small press stuff, just print things and had a version of this book that was going to launch. And then back in like 2008, due to the financial sort of collapse in the U.S., mm. um, got put on indefinite hold and it just sat on my laptop. And anyway, fast forward many years later, I was looking to create a more fleshed out, more mature, more realized version of it. And I ended up soliciting sample pages. I gave the same page and the same premise and background to a couple different artists and all of whom did a tremendous job. And Damien ultimately just nailed it. Mm. It was tremendous. And I think anybody who's had any sort of creative relationship with real chemistry, probably you two included, mm. knows like, okay, here we go. Like it just sort of fit. And when I saw his artwork representing the script, I thought, well, here we go. And he really has really brought to life these characters and these situations in a way that is just absolutely tremendous. Was there anything that you can point to? I completely understand how some of it is just feel and you look at someone else's work and you're like, okay, what they've captured here touches something that I have in my head in terms of, you know, the imagination that I had for these characters and this world. Were there specific things that Damian did that made you feel like, oh my gosh, I think I found the perfect person to work with? Yeah, absolutely. Really what it was is I saw his pages and one, it sort of felt otherworldly in a way that didn't seem cold and it didn't seem off-putting in that he could draw things that were fantastical but felt grounded. But he, much more so than that, I looked at his pages in grayscale. And especially now that we're working with our colorist, David, who colors very much as if the pages were a painting, it mm -hmm. felt like a storybook. 
it felt like I'm cracking open this old book, old picture book, and I'm looking at this story that no one has read in many years, which was just exactly, I don't even know if I knew to articulate that until I saw mm. his art. Everybody that I worked with and, and you know commissioned for their time did a tremendous job, but a lot of it was dynamic. And dynamic is good in comics, right? You want action, you want over-the-top expressions, you want kinetic energy. And I did want that, but I wanted it to feel almost aged and with that sort of texture to it. So it was that texture that Damien did that really set him apart. And I thought, this is this is it. And what were your inspirations for coming up with this uh, story? What were the sorts of comics or stories that you've enjoyed in the past? Sure. Well, I mean, I've been reading comics for about three times as long in my life than I haven't been. And so <laughs> there's so many. And, and for Fairhome, right, it's not just comics. It's also fantasy and text and every other medium. So obviously Tolkien, I was a big, big Wheel of Time fan and Robert Jordan's writing from the time I was you know, 16 years old. Claremont and John Byrne and Paul Smith, actually the Claremont Smith X-Men comics were really just the holy crap moment for me because like mm. a lot of people, I got into X-Men 97 when I was a kid, the animated series. And then I just mm -hmm. dug into, and this is pre-internet, dug into whatever the local comic store had, which was a lot of Claremont and Paul Smith and John Romita Jr. X-Men comics. And that was my gateway to, and really in many ways, the underpinning of my philosophy for writing this book of show people that look different so it represents your audience and give them exciting situations they can't relate to with emotional social underpinnings that they can relate to if that makes mm. sense and so to see yourself feeling to see characters feeling things you feel while doing things you can't do but would like to that <laughs> to me is the formula and to see people that look like you that don't necessarily look like me right but look like the reader whatever that reader may be and so that was a big deal. And I, I, I could go on and on. George Perez, I, in, in my mind, is the greatest comics artist of all time, you know, in Teen Titans and his Avengers run with Kurt Busiek, which was tremendous for me. Um, I got to meet George Perez at a convention back when I did small press and he listened to me talk to him for like 20 minutes and he, he, mm -hmm. he, he sadly passed away recently, but couldn't have been nicer and took my comics and probably never looked at them, but it was like, good for you. And he was just, just the sweetest man in his Hawaiian shirt. And um, so those are the most formative things, I think. So you talked a bit about, you wanna take characters in a world that maybe people would like to be in, but they can't. And then you kind of build a foundation of ideas or emotions that people can relate to. One of the most interesting things with Fairhome is that, you know, it's incredibly early. Uh, I do like it when like, you know, you have a very short story and then you, you know, go over to the character page that you've set up and, and start to like run with, oh my gosh, where are things going to go and ask yourself those questions. What were the sorts of themes or emotions that you want people to feel as they read Fairhome? Sure. So two things. The main thing is every main character in Fairhome is going through some sort of not identity crisis necessarily, but they're sort of rediscovering or redefining themselves. There's a reason that I set Fairhome starts five years after traditionally what would be the story in essence. So if Lord of the Rings was set five years after the One Ring was destroyed, 
or if mm. Wheel of Time was set five years after the Dragon Reborn defeated the Dark One. I've always been interested in NPCs, for lack of a better term. Mm. You know, when you're playing Final Fantasy VII, for, for me, I'm dating myself, Final Fantasy mm. VII, and there's just the one person you talk to and they have an apple cart and they go, apple harvest was bad, don't know how I'll feed my family. And they say that over and over and over again, so you move on. I, as a kid, would go, what happened to their family? <laughs> like, I'm invested now. Like, but it was just a throwaway programmed line. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to see after the conflict is over? How do the, not normal, right, but the rank and file or just the people that weren't going to be the main characters, what do they do? And so for me, the main thing is everybody at least once, probably multiple times, has had to redefine who they are, whether it's you have a big breakup or you go to college or you graduate college or you end a job or you start a job or you have a child or your child moves out or you, you whatever it may be, you stop playing a sport, you stop creating a project, you got to stop and go, well, now who am I? And that's where all the characters are at in various ways. The other thing is I wanted to kind of recreate, again, dating myself when I was a kid and I watched the original Star Wars trilogy on VHS, right? I wanted to create that sense of when I watched A New Hope or Empire or whatever, and they would talk about the Clone Wars and there were no Clone Wars. We had no idea what that was. Mm. You didn't really know what the Jedi were, but you were kind of thrown into this world where you cared about the characters. You understood the emotions behind the characters but then you would hear all these things and you go, oh gosh, what is that? Or what is that? What is the Kessel Run? What are the Clone Wars? What is Alderaan? What? And you just think you have the gift of creating what those things are in your mind. And I wanted to give people that experience. And so setting it five years after this major conflict, I felt I had the leeway to drop in all these different things and if people care, which I'm hoping they will, as you said, it's a very new project. If they do care, let them speculate, let them have fun with it. And ideally, if and when they find out, they won't find it disappointing. That's incredibly exciting. You know, how does it feel to put your work out there after you mentioned that you had ideas and you wanted to create something for so long? How does it feel to, to put something out there and, and start to get an audience and a reception? Oh, it's wonderful. I mean... <laughs> Every pair of eyeballs on the webcomic or the webtoon or whatever version of it they see is a blessing. It's funny. It's dichotomous in that everybody who pays attention to it in any way is such a gift. And yet it's also like you're taking this essence of who you are and putting it into a void, right? <laughs> where, where it's just like, here's my heart and it's just blip and it's out there and it's gone and you get silence in a way at the same time. And so I'm very lucky in that I have Damien in particular, again, who wanted to be here today, but couldn't be, who is a genius and realizes all these things perfectly. But I think it's, in many ways, it's a lot like parenting in that you create something, obviously, that is more than yourself, is this manifestation of something incredible, but also you have to put it out into the world and trust that it will be accepted for what it is. And you you can't micromanage it, right? Because mm. I don't know about you, but I've been dipping my toe into like comics and webtoon Twitter, for example, and have seen people really grinding 
to get their stuff noticed, which is an impulse I understand. But I think it's important to sort of learn restraints and to trust your art mm. and to trust the audience to find it over time. Maybe even keep some separation between you and your project in a way, if that makes sense, where the project is not, can anybody retweet this? It's just, here's some imagery. Here's a piece of it. Mm. Love it if you want to, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, the love it if you want to and you love something so much yourself. It's something I've always admired about anybody who, who does anything creative. It's the amount of vulnerability that you have to go to to put something out there. It's incredible. Props for taking the, the first steps to do that. And another question I had for you was, you know, you're, you have a writer kind of artist team and we've had a few of those on the show. What's the working process like between you and Damien? I have everything scripted and Damien will typically send me a page by page storyboard or a sketch. And he may ask me questions or I'll say, look here, the emotion on panel three is this. Mm. We really need to stick the landing on this facial expression or whatever, but I love to give him leeway and see what he comes up with. Some pages that he has just drafted that aren't even lettered yet. The acting that he's drawn is <laughs> phenomenal. And I mm. laughed out loud at him, not at myself, but just his, the brilliance of his representation of my thoughts. And so he'll typically do a storyboard. And I would say eight out of 10 times I go, great, go for it. Sometimes I'll go, ah, eh, no, we got to, I love it, but, you know, and then he'll present the grayscales in the sort of a finished page. And I would say probably four out of 10 times I'll go, hey, let, it's perfect. I love it. Let's adjust this. And then like I said, Paul Bird, who's our letterer, and I, to his credit, will oftentimes have conversations where I'll go, Paul, I feel like maybe this is because my thing is I'm always cutting. I overwrite. And so I'm always cutting, mm. cutting, cutting. Um, once I see it, I sort of realize, okay, we don't need that much. Uh, particularly, particularly with the character of Filth, who is an orc. And he, mm -hmm. my inspiration for him is like the Marvel Darth Vader comics that have been out mm -hmm. for the last several years, where Darth Vader as a character just never says more than he absolutely has to. And so mm -hmm. my inspiration for Filth is always just, I've cut so much of his dialogue, just cut it to the bone. This is a character that will never say anything more than he has to. And so Damien's art really helps me kind of figure out, okay, and with Paul's input too, of how much do we need to say? And then, like I said, very recently, we've been working on coloring pages with a David who has done some, he actually did the cover for issue one, so to say, and he's done a bunch of other stuff that you, people will see if they join Patreon <laughs> eventually, mm -hmm. not trying to plug, but... <laughs> He's, it's, it's just a joy because, because they just make everything better than I could do, not just by manifesting it, but just ideas and tweaks to it. It's wonderful to have this thing that is, I don't want to say fine, because I, obviously I think it's good or I wouldn't try, but make it much, much better than it would be just with me. It's, it's still very, very early for Fairhome, but is there a character in particular that you're excited for readers to learn more about? Oh gosh, I, <laughs> all of all of them. <laughs> I don't know how much y'all have seen because you've had the opportunity to see more than most. Like, so what I tried to do is give every main character, I guess for lack of a better term, a hook. Because I love mystery in fiction, particularly fantasy. Are you familiar, Akil, with the, the acronym SARSA? No, I'm not. 
Okay. It's a storytelling acronym of, so story. So you want to give people obviously a story with a beginning, middle, and an end and an action, whether it's interpersonal action or physical action or both, right? Something to elicit emotion through, through things happening. Reality, people want to see a story that resonates with them. You know, Lord of the Rings is fantastical, but it has triumph and, and pain and relationships and trying to be better than you are and feeling helpless and, and, and addiction, all these things, just in Lord of the Rings alone. Surprise, you want people to have things that they don't see coming and anticipation, preview things mm-hmm. and go, here's this thing and you know it's going to happen at some point. These two characters are going to have a conflict, but not yet. Right. And so I try to build that into this is a very long winded way of saying I try to build that into every character. You're talking about this story that you've built up. I mean, maybe you finish this first and then I, I'd love to hear a little bit about just how it was for you as a creative to come up with the whole world, because obviously, you know, you're creating this massive world and the story you're telling is one sliver of all the things that you've created. Yeah. Fantasy in particular is weird. Sci-fi is probably the same. You got to build the whole factory before you can make a single can of peas, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's the joy and also the frustration of it in that we talked about respecting your audience, right? And if you're sort of laying the train tracks right in front of the train as it's going, eventually people are going to notice and they're going to go, well, that doesn't quite make sense here. That doesn't, but you said this and they'll forgive typically quite a bit, but I didn't want anyone and I have the luxury of nobody and I mean this and I mean this positively and sincerely I have the luxury of people not caring that much about the story so I had the time to Mm -hmm. flesh it out and be like okay if anybody asks any random question I'd be able to answer it because yeah I I wanted to give people the respect again if I'm asking people hey you've got thousands easily of webtoons you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, or compound that with streaming services, compound that with everything else. If I'm asking you to take your time to invest in this story, I'm going to respect you by having it figured out. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Lore is fun. Like <laughs> lore is, the trick is making it fun for other people because it's very fun mm-hmm. for me. I guess that's the first step, just making sure that it's it's fun for you. And I guess what was your secret to like making sure that it is something that people enjoy? I think trying to be a student of the things you love, there's nothing against being a passive consumer of things you love. There's tremendous joy in that. But I just tried to create something that when I was at a low point in my life, whether it was a teenager or later, I wanted to create something that I would find comfort in and go, this makes me feel better. Not that it's Pollyanna-ish and there's conflict and there's pain and the characters go through terrible things and come out the other side of it, different. But I wanted to create something where if I needed to escape into something, I would find something rewarding and something well thought out and something obviously above all else entertaining, but also something that shows the reader respect. And so that was, I thought if I can do that, that's what matters because that's what I care about. Like I loved the show Lost. I was on the message boards and I was on, this was almost pre-Reddit, not pre-Reddit, but like pre-Reddit what it is now and speculating. And that show didn't stick the landing to my satisfaction the way, or most people's. 
And I remember it's the most visceral feeling I have of in fiction in any medium going, huh, I wish I hadn't spent so much time on this. Mm. And if people don't feel that way about Lost, I think it's if people loved it and they love the ending, I think that's tremendous. I, I would never want to take that away from somebody. But I remember thinking like, I don't want to ever make somebody feel that way. Mm. There's got to be an end point. There's got to be a payoff. I want to make people satisfied with the emotional experience they've had. I want to now talk a little bit about building an audience, monetization, some of the other things that you have to think through as a creator. You created a website for Fairhome. Can you talk a little bit about the thought process behind creating your own site? I know a lot of people just go straight to Webtoon first. Yeah, I was a little bit more resistant to go straight to Webtoon because it's just saturated. And you've talked about this in your podcast. I, I've heard you talk about it like, mm. and seen in your social media presence. Like, it's just putting a single comment on a YouTube video with 200 million views on it. You know what I mean? Like it's, you're there and it's like washed into this vast ocean. And so I thought, well, okay, I love print. I especially love print comics, but I didn't want to do a Kickstarter for a print book or anything else. I didn't want to do pay up front, then I'll give you my story. Because I got to say the other thing about being on Instagram and I'm not speaking ill of anybody because do what you want to do. And I love Kickstarters and I support so many Kickstarters, but I go on Instagram, comics Instagram, and I'm just, our Kickstarter has got this tier and unsolicited DMs from people that add me and ask me to back their Kickstarter. And I just go, I don't, I, I, I don't know what this is. I don't, why do mm. I care? Who are these characters? What is this world? What does this mean? And I thought, well, A, I want to, if people can't pay for this, they should be able to read it. If they care enough to read it, no matter whether they can pay for it or not, they should have access to it, right? Because I have the ability to do that, which I'm very lucky. So creating the website was a learning curve. And, and I tinker with that website about every other day because I'm always trying to enhance the readability of it. And I'm not a web designer. Uh, I do run it myself. <laughs> fairhomecomic at gmail.com if you have any suggestions on how to make it better <laughs> i just thought and, it, and it's a comic and damien draws it as a comic page and that translates to webtoon some pages and some pages it doesn't as much so that's a couple languages that i have to learn so to say and so i thought well i'm all about having control of things, not to a, not to an unhealthy degree, but I thought, well, if nothing else, I can present my vision of this and just make it accessible because there are people that I know that will only go on Webtoon, right? And then there are people that will not go on Webtoon. Mm -hmm. And so it's just make it accessible was my thought. And in terms of building an audience for that, I guess, what were some of the challenges that you would run into? Because we haven't met too many artists who have tried to create their own website, but like you said, there is this big challenge of on Webtoon, it's so saturated. What are other ways for me to build my audience? And people have tried lots of different things. Um, so how has it been to, to build an audience for your own website? To be frank, I don't know that I've been successful in doing that, mm. but if Webtoon gets sold or something happens, everything is preserved as I would like it to be, mm. you know, and I have a hub. Yeah. In my hub, if you go on the website, if you go on fairhomecomic.com, one of the first things you'll see at the top is read us on Webtoon. And you can mm -hmm. click, you can click right there and boom, there you go. Um, but everything else, 
if I want to talk about a character or something else that's going on, I can do it. It's it's a lot like things like Instagram. Really, I, I suppose more to answer your question to build an audience, I think Instagram, Instagram has been the best because like I said, I've dabbled in Twitter and Twitter I found to be too parasocial, if that makes sense, where people, creators tend to make things about themselves more so than their books or their webtoons. Mm. Uh, in my very limited experience, and I'm not saying that's bad, I mean too much for my taste uh, uh, because I want people to build a relationship with my stories and my characters, not with me, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. or, or I'd rather they build that parasocial relationship with my characters and my stories. So with Instagram, I'm able to go like, especially because the selling point is Damien's tremendous art is look at this, you know, look at how good this stuff looks. Yeah. Um, here's how to learn more, you know, and a lot of it honestly is just patience of it's a blessing to create and for me someone who can't draw to have collaborators who can realize my stories and go and this is so cliche but if one person finds some comfort in the story because i created it the story wouldn't exist without me and I'm not, I'm blessed in that I'm not trying to make this my career. I have a great career. And so allow the joy of creation and collaboration and connection with an audience of any size. My goal mm. is just for eventually Fair Home to pay for itself, to pay the page rates for everyone involved because I don't take one. And if it does that, this will be a tremendous success. If it doesn't, well, we'll figure it out, you know? Mm. But my real goal is if somebody loves these characters and goes, this makes me feel better, you know, I'm not a sad. Because oh, yeah. that's, that's what comics and webtoons and everything has done for me is I just don't, especially fantasy. You know, I, I, I got real into urban fantasy as a teenager and like, Oh, I could go on and on about authors, but I won't. But yeah. and it was just like my safe space. And it, people love to say safe space sarcastically, but I don't. Like it was my safe space of okay, I can escape into mm -hmm. this. If I can be that for somebody, then I really don't care about anything else, I guess. That's amazing. You know, you talk about how Instagram has worked. You've also started to put things on TikTok. Has that been a, a good kind of vehicle to build an audience for you as well? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's been fun. Where do you think uh, TikTok falls flat? I am not fluent in the language of it mm. for me. And this is my failing, probably, I, I'm sure not TikToks, but uh, I have not been translating views because we, you know, we get eyeballs on the TikToks that I create or that Diane helps me create, but they don't translate into views on the webtoon. Um, mm. So it's, it's, it's like if you had an online store, right? And you have thousands of people or tens of thousands of people looking at your online store, but 10 people purchasing that it's, it's like that. You know what I mean? Like the eyeballs are great and I love them and I'm grateful for them. And, and I don't want their money uh, even. I just like read my story. I would love for you to read my story. And so trying to bridge that gap 
right now. Maybe it'll be different later, but that's been tricky so far. But but at the same time, like I said, I have the blessing of TikTok's just fun. I love to take stuff mm. and go, okay, create like in-universe content. You know what I mean? Like, I love that stuff. I I love taking a great panel of Damian's artwork and going in this update and this, you know, in, the, in this episode, you'll see this, but I love taking like a villain and making a wanted poster or something like that. Mm. That's where I think TikTok can be fun. Yeah. And I love to add hip hop to our TikToks because I feel like hip hop yeah. and fantasy are not things that go together often, but go together really well mm. in my experience. And, and part of that is just too, like I'm coming from a place of trying to, not to put too fine a point on it, but, and you'll notice this more, of course, when the pages are colorized, but bring in people of color in fantasy, which is a hot button issue, I guess, right now for some reason, but I'm trying to bring in, you know, like Patch, like one of the main characters and, and actually Maggie Hamlin who's another main character. They're both Latino and Latina respectively. You don't mm. see that till it's colorized, but there's a reason for that. Just trying to bridge things and break down, make connections that maybe aren't made as often as they could be. Looking forward to the future, how do you think about, you know, your future as a as a creator? You talked a little bit about all I care about is even if I can get one person to, to you know, have that emotional satisfaction from reading my comic, that's all that really matters for you. Do you think it's just continuing to tell the story of Fairhome? Is that how you see your future? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm planning on once the book, the first issue is done and colorized and re-lettered, it's going to be on Global Comics where if people just want to read the story in one go, they can. Because again, if you want to read Fair Home, you'll never have to pay for it. Mm. I'm promising that to anybody that ever hears this. If you want to read the story, you will always be able to read the story, whether you want to pay for it or can pay for it or not. But if you want to, you'll have an experience. I have a lot written. I don't know what the future is. It's hard for me to imagine not doing this, but I have a story that I feel like deserves to be told and it's going to be to like this story was created the the seeds of it 15 years ago so for me to say do you know what i mean for me to say uh if it doesn't work out in a year that's the end of it well i said that about you know 16 years ago and here i am i have this incredible opportunity to talk to you and so i have learned as a creative person, more than anything else, just never say never about anything. Mm. Um, I think Fair Home as a story is going to be told in what medium and to what reception, I don't know. But if it brings anybody joy, even if it's just me, preferably more than me, but even if just me, then that's okay. Because I think everybody has a story to tell. And I think the joy of telling it has to be enough. Wonderful. That's a, a great lesson for, for anyone who wants to be a creator. And it's a theme that we see pop up a lot. Are you ready to close things out with our uh, rapid fire questions? I sure am. Which fictional character best describes your personality? Matt Smith, the version of the Doctor and Doctor Who. Uh, what are three comics that you would take with you on a desert island? Single issue or trades? There's no constraint. Okay. Dark Phoenix Saga, Claremont and Burn. Uh, Oof. Okay. Okay. Definitely Dark Phoenix Saga. Definitely Dark Phoenix Saga, Claremont and Burn. Um, Grant Morrison and Dan Mora's Claus, the Santa Claus run, like, tremendous. Mm -hmm. And 
Matt Wagner's uh, Mage the Hero discovered. Next question. If you could pick any, which creator would you want to have dinner with and why? Damien, my artist. He's a genius. And I just, <laughs> for real, I would love to be able to sit. We're geographically separate. I know that's going to sound like really, really um, saccharine, but I just, his collaboration has been such a blessing. I would love to sit down and just talk fair home face to face instead of over Facebook chat. No, that uh, that makes complete sense. What's your favorite scene from any comic that just pops into your head? Uh, and Garth Ennis's preacher spoilers <laughs> towards the end when Jesse Custer and uh, Cassidy the Vampire are having their absolute breakdown of their relationship, and Jesse has used the word of God so that Cassidy can't defend himself, and just people who know will know Jesse is just wailing on Cassidy, and he's saying curse words and he's saying how could you let me down so bad it is the single i i got goosebumps talking about this i and there's a lot mm -hmm. of things about preacher that don't age well and i'm not making apologies for that but when i read it it was the single most pathos heavy scene of any piece of media not just any comic any piece of media i have ever seen and the way it was so succinctly written dialogue wise and it's not flowery it's not over the top it's just a person speaking the way they would when they are overcome with negative emotion speaking very simply it's just it's masterful and garth ennis is in many ways responsible for some trends in like what what about this thing you like but everyone's terrible like that i'm not a big fan of because <laughs> like any good idea people take it and make it a bit much but that that has always stuck with me and then finally, if you could have dinner with a fictional character, who would it be? Oh, Batman, easily. Love it. Well, Scott, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today. Listener, please check out Fairhome on Webtoon. You can also go to fairhomecomic.com and check out the work of Scott Damian and get here on the ground floor before things really start uh, getting ramped up. And you can also support Scott and the whole team on Patreon. But Scott... Thanks so much for taking some time and uh, sharing your story today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you. It was a joy. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.